The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. Good morning, honey. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good today. Good. Yeah. So we got a well, big, big episode. Yeah. It's just a little update. 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 On, yeah. I guess we have to talk candidly about it again. I know. I feel, I feel like I left people hanging and I didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just so much information that it's hard to like, you know, yeah. Broadcast it all. I know. I'm wondering, do you, do you like play by play this thing? Well, I do think you summarize? I'm... summarize? Mean, we got to fill an hour. We'll just go. <laughs> hey, I want to take a moment to tell you about Battleborn Injury Lawyers. They handle personal injury, which covers everything from auto accidents to wrongful death. You never know when something bad will happen to you or your family. Make sure you have a resource to contact right away if you should ever need it. Put Matt's number in your phone now. He will not let you down. It's 702-570-9000. Again, guys, it's 702-570-9000. So um, I guess I'll just start kind of from the beginning. So uh, June of 2020, so mid-quarantine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I felt like a little tiny pebble, I guess, in my right breast. And it wasn't always there. It moved around. So it's like each time I have to kind of find it. Um, so I was like, eh, you know, I should go get it looked at. So I went to my OB. My OB said, you know, get a mammogram and ultrasound. So I went to a place, um, here and, uh, They did the ultrasound, the mammogram on it, and then two weeks later, they told me it was a fibroid, which is like a fatty tissue cyst thing that's nothing. That's nothing. And they said, you know, we'll just monitor it every six months. I'm like, okay. And so then uh, like four months later, I realized it was like, I feel like it was double in size. Would you agree? I never felt it initially. No. But I would agree that... um, It was... That... It yeah, was it bigger and you could see it. It wasn't sure. just like totally. floating around anymore. I didn't have to find it. It was like stuck there. Yeah. So I went back and they were like, okay, you know, sometimes these things, you know, get bigger because of your hormones and, you know, with your cycles and all that. So they sent me for a follow-up, which, you know, I'm a little mad at myself because that was November and I didn't go until January. Um but so I went for my follow-up um, mammogram and ultrasound. And when I went to the place, they told me I only need an ultrasound. I don't need a mammogram. And I fought them for doing both because I'm like, I'm here. We need to do everything that my doctor said we should do. I'm not going to just like skip out and then I have to come back or whatever it was. So I did the mammogram again and I did the ultrasound, which I don't know why everyone says a mammogram hurts so much. I, for me, it doesn't bother. It didn't bother me at all. So if anybody tells you a mammogram's like that terrible, 
you know, just take it with a grain of salt. Don't. I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, that was nothing, you know. It's I've good had to know. kids, and so good to know. sure, yeah. I mean, that'll <laughs> um, certainly prepare you. Anyway, so I went for my follow up mammogram ultrasound, and I literally wasn't even to my car by the time my doctor's office called me and told me that I had to have it biopsied. Um, from leaving the mammogram. I hadn't even gotten my car yet. So I obviously panicked. I kind of don't remember. I blacked out a little bit. Um, So they called me and they said, okay, these are the papers that you need to get. And it takes three weeks to get in for a biopsy. So you need to get all these paperwork as fast as you can so that we can make your appointment because we can't make your appointment without all these papers. And I'm like, three weeks? Like, you just told me within four minutes that I needed to have a biopsy. I'm not going to wait three weeks to have it, you right. know? Um, so I reached out. Normally I don't, like, ask anybody for everything or anything. I'm not a, like, favor person. I all, I'm happy to do favors, but I'm not about asking favors. Um, but this time I did. And um, I, so I called my neighbor who has a friend that owns another uh, radiology place. And they said, get all those papers and we'll get you tomorrow morning. There you go. And I was like, so I spent my whole day getting everything that I needed, calling insurance, getting it approved, begging people to rush everything. And um, so then I had my biopsy. And even when I went, they were like, you know, this looks like what we've seen before. You know, it's probably it's the fibroid. They said it looks like there's two lumps now, but it was really just the one in, um, one lump, and my implant was pressing against it to make it look like two, like a snowman. But it was really just pressed against it to make it look like two. Um, which, you know, they told me that, and I was going into the weekend, so I was kind of happy they told me that just so I could relax a little bit over the weekend. Um, and they said, you know, we'll call you by the end of day Tuesday with your results, whatever. Okay, great. So I go through the weekend and literally 9 a.m. on the dot Monday morning, they're calling me and I just knew that it wasn't good because, you know, no news is good news. <laughs> so news early is bad news. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's when they told me it was invasive ductal carcinoma. And then we, you know, hit the ground running from there, I guess. That's like the backstory that I didn't really share before. Well, thank you for sharing that, yeah. obviously. Um, I think everybody listening knows that this takes extreme uh, courage and bravery to step up and communicate your experience to the audience. Um, I think the intent is amongst many reasons, but one of those reasons is to educate and almost awareness. awareness yeah. Mm-hmm. You initially went in there and asked for more tests and they said no, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you insisted. Yeah. So... I think this whole journey has been a reflection of the need for tenacity with health. We've been told many times um, that we don't need that test. We don't mm-hmm. need this test. We don't, and we, we just kept pushing and saying it. So here's what I want to just communicate to everybody is that we, our insurance is paying for it. Mm-hmm. We pay our insurance to pay for it. It's, we can demand these tests. Um, and I think what you did is a perfect example of making that demand and then having it be provided. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's easy to look at the doctor and think that they know everything and that it's okay uh, if they say that you don't need that test and you move on. I would not encourage that way of thinking. I would encourage you to demand whatever you want and expect it and get it mm-hmm. and not stop until you get it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Something else that I think is important to talk about is self exams. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's ultimately how you found it. I mean, I'll be honest. I wasn't very diligent about self exams, and I was I got like a new bralette, and I was just pulling it down, and I was like, "What the? F- what was that?" So, yeah, self-exams are so important because, honestly, I, I never really did it. Um, but if I did, I would have been able to find that one sooner. Yeah. I really would have. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that would have changed, but I would have been able to find it sooner. So self-exams are so important. And Well, I don't want to say that. Let me stop. It, it would have changed something. It would have been caught sooner. If it was caught sooner, it mm-hmm. may have stayed inside the duct. Yeah. If it would have stayed inside the duct, it would not have gone to the lymph node. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have to have chemo. And you wouldn't have to have chemo. Mm-hmm. So um, I think so, what or, we say is really important yeah. to be clear about it because people will take our advice because we're going through it. So, yeah, early detection is is is, is a, so important. So important. Yeah. And it, I mean, so important is almost an understatement because where we caught it was still considered early. Mm-hmm. There's a point where it's not early. Yep, I agree with you. So, every, I mean... That was the other thing they told me, you know, so you have to be monitoring it and we'll watch it every six months. They said, check it after every cycle. So that's the other thing is that you don't want to just do an exam like monthly, like after your cycle. So everything feels the same because with your cycle, a lot of things can change. So this could have been nothing and still getting bigger just because of my cycle. But regardless, I think that the self-exam is so important because if there's anything, it has to be looked at, you know? I would almost say that if you have a lump and you go in, I would just demand a biopsy. If you can, immediately. yeah. And, and, and I wouldn't even allow there to be a, if you can. I would just demand it and not stop until you get it. The fact that they sent you back without biopsying a lump in your breast is like right. shocking to me. Well, and yeah, the other thing is, is that and I... And biopsy means that they actually put a needle in, suck out a piece of the tissue, and then examine the tissue under a microscope. It's not just a feel or a visual. Right. It's no. actually examined to determine what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a surgical procedure. I did um, get a second opinion also on my um, first images. And I, I still talk to this person and she's like still is kind of in disbelief. And she's looked at it even like two weeks ago because she just can't believe that it was something when it literally looked like it was nothing. Um, and just to touch on that too, you know, cause I'm young, um, and it's not expected, you know, because I'm young. So that's why I think it was like, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. Cause you're young. Um, it was so impactful for the doctor that did my biopsy that him and a couple of the other doctors at that radiology place made their wives go in and get checked after getting my results, seeing that it was something when it looked like it was nothing. I think for the people that maybe just be tuning in, obviously they're probably going to go back and listen oh, okay. to the first one. But I think to describe a little bit of Crystal is tell us your age, how many times you've been pregnant, how many well, how many <laughs> kids you've had, um, you know, and just kind of give them update on 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 who you are as a person. I am 34 and I have four kids, four C sections, <laughs> um, four C sections, and healthy. Active. I'm healthy, active. I'm not overweight. Right. I'm not. So that's the point I want to. Yeah. That's the, the description I want to point out is this is a perfectly healthy yeah. young lady. And it's easy to think you're bulletproof when you're young. So it's just 
something to just take into consideration and be conscious of. That you're not it, invincible. You're not, well, it, it can happen to anybody. And mm-hmm. really, I, we've even heard the doctor say that some they've seen as young as 28 years old. Yeah. That was the youngest I think I'd seen yeah. or heard. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. So where are we at today? Is that where... Uh, you know, from when we from when we found out, you mm-hmm. found out, and then I found out, we found out. Yeah. Um, how how many weeks out are we? Oh well, that's like two months. Two months. Yeah. Okay, so we're two months out. Two months out. And um, then we'll just pick up from where you left off. Yeah, and I, I, you know, there's just been a couple things that I've been doing to ensure that I make this as painless as possible, I guess, on my end. So I'm trying to be. As healthy as possible. I haven't had any alcohol. So from when we found out, we immediately made some lifestyle Mm -hmm. changes. Not that I think that they're going to be permanent. I don't want them to be permanent. I want to continue to do what we want to do. But for the moment and preparing you to be the tip top shape you Mm could possibly be in. To be able to let my body repair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, No alcohol. And I did switch to no meat. Um, I've had a little bit of fish, but um, mostly no meat, no alcohol. And then, you know, on weeks that I, like this week, I know that I'm having treatment tomorrow. What was the major third thing? Sugar. Oh, yeah. Sugar. Sugar is, let me tell you how dangerous I believe sugar is and how scary it is, is when they do a a PET scan, PET Mm -hmm. or PET scan. PET scan. When they do the PET scan, they actually inject crystal with sugar and all of the little cancer mites come out of their hiding places and start eating the sugar and then they scan her body at that moment, and then they can identify where the cancer is in her body. Mm-hmm. So you tell me if sugar is not dangerous, if <laughs> yeah. that's how they identify whether or not cancer is in the body and where it's at in the body. So no alcohol, no sugar, and no meat. Mm-hmm. And the meat thing was more, I think, focused around we just didn't want those. There's actually nothing wrong with eating uh, grass-fed, organic mm-hmm. meat, but it's very difficult to find that at just any general restaurant. Yeah. So for us, at least for me... Um, my encouragement of no meat was based on um, getting all of those antibodies, antibiotics and hormones and all the shit they put in the meat to preserve it mm-hmm. out of your system. Yeah, because and none of those things necessarily cause cancer. They just feed it. So uh, True. Well and, said. And yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So I'm trying not to feed it. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. And then um, we knew that it was estrogen driven. Mm-hmm. So um, with the resources that we had, we had done research and understood that CBD oil actually um, depresses, suppresses, suppresses. Thank you, um, estrogen. So with the little bits of things that we had control over, those were the, the actions that we immediately took. Mm-hmm. So keep going, honey. So yeah, I'm 34. I am estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and HER2 negative. For anyone that's going through it, they'll know what that means. If you're not going through it, you don't need to know or want to know. So (laughs) you don't want to learn what that means. (laughs) Right. right. Um, Anyway, so I had my first round of chemo three weeks ago, um, and I am cold capping, which is to preserve my hair. So it works for some, doesn't work for some. So we're just kind of praying and hoping that it works and doing it right. It, you know, a lot of people can save 70 to 90% of your hair. You'll still have some hair loss, but not as much. Um, so just a quick description of the cold caps. You're the best at it. So you, cause you learned all about it. I, I'm kinda... gonna, I will uh, <laughs> elaborate on the cold caps mm-hmm. and explain what that process looks like. Um, I think some other things that in the event, because I think really what's probably going to happen is someone that is perfectly healthy and doesn't have any issues may say, oh, my gosh, my friend has this. 
hey, friend, you've got to listen to this mm-hmm. podcast because I think it could be helpful. And then, unfortunately, if someone that we do know ended up having it um, and they are listening, this would be informative for them. Mm-hmm. So I think there was some other, you know, there, it's, it's, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, I think it, it, it's worth taking a moment to justify these following actions. Imagine having no eyebrows, no eyelashes, and no hair on your head, and you're not a man. I mean, I can get away with that. <laughs> Light moment. Um, it's, you know, society, you don't feel like you're a part of society or that you're an outlier in society when you don't have those things as a female. So there was some preventative um, things that we took that I would incur, that I remember you getting that advice. Yes. Immediately go get your... Um, eyebrows microbladed. Exactly, your eyebrows microbladed. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked into eyelashes that, yeah. I didn't even know this crazy ass shit's out there. <laughs> you can like paint on a magnet. It's and then, magnetic eyelashes, okay. yeah. Well, to me, it seemed way crazier than that. But yeah, so those are the following steps. So mm-hmm. um, magnetic eyelashes, uh, microblading eyebrows, and then the cold capping. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will preserve the hair that women want. Yes. <laughs> the upside is that the other hair goes away and that's all yeah. a, a plus. But um, so what is cold capping? Cold capping, um, I'll kind of give my opinion on it first. Unfortunately, it's not something that is covered under insurance. Um, it is in other countries, and it's kind of a shame that it's not here, um, as the insurance companies don't believe that a woman losing their hair is um, a part of the process. Um, I think they're absolutely ridiculous for making that claim. Yeah. Um, I think it's 100% a part of the process and, and would make it a lot more comforting if there was a solution that they were willing to embrace and pay for to offset that part of the experience. Mm-hmm. So having said that, cold capping is very common in uh, other countries, Europe. I'll just summarize it with Europe and Germany and Japan and all these other ones. But cold capping is very common in other countries. And what it is is, for example, um, let's just use a bruise or a swollen ankle. What do they always tell you to put on it? They tell ice. you to put ice on it because the ice reduces swelling. The ice pushes the blood away from the spot that's swollen. And uh, so it's the same logic with cold capping. There are these four uh, ice packs is a great way to describe Mm -hmm. them, obviously cut into a way that they could be shaped around the scalp. Um, They go on top of uh, Crystal's head. So but first, so I'll just give you, I I guess now that I've explained what they are, actually, I'm going to, I'll keep going. Um, When you put them on the head, on the scalp, it freezes the scalp. Um, and restricts blood and flow. And restricts blood flow. So think, as she's getting the um, chemo pumped through her body, that chemo is going down to her toes, to her ankles, to her shins, to her knees, to her thighs, all over her body, to her fingertips, to her shoulders. Goes. Anywhere there's blood is, that's where that chemo is going because it's trying to kill any of those any of the cancer cells that it can't, uh, that the, the eye can't detect. So obviously there's blood circulating through your scalp, so by putting the cold caps on, it pushes all of that blood away from the scalp. So when you are um, getting your, treat, your chemo treatment, the, the blood stays away from the scalp. Well, the mm-hmm. blood is now contaminated with the chemotherapy, so therefore it, if it stays away, it won't kill those cells. Because what chemo is, in a nutshell, is that it's a, it kills rapidly reproducing cells. Mm-hmm. Rapidly reproducing cells are hair, nails, you know, skin, um, your esophagus and your throat is a good one. Yeah. Um, it kills all rapidly reproducing cells. And unfortunately, that's cancer is one of those. But it can't determine which one is which. It goes after all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so cold capping restricts the blood flow to your scalp. Now, how does that work? So 
We've done it once. We uh, There's a big... Um, you have to wake up in the morning early. You go to this place that donates dry ice to the cause, and you get about 60 pounds of dry ice. Mm-hmm. This is my job. Yep, that's I don't your want job. people to think Crystal's like helping me get dry ice. <laughs> no, Josh so, does that for me. So I wake up. I, I go go down to this place between 6 and 6.30, um, get 60 pounds of dry ice. I put it inside a big igloo cooler, and inside the cooler is four cold caps um, that go on her head plus four straps that go around her hairline. And um, about an hour and a half before um, we start the cold capping process. Before my appointment. Before the appo- before it starts. And what that does, it gets the blood away right out the gate. Now, these caps, this is how strong Crystal is. And I couldn't even imagine this for a moment, especially not having any hair. Um, <laughs> is these cold, dry ice is naturally sits at negative 109 degrees. So you put these cold caps in there and you pack ice, oh, dry ice layered. all around it. So they're layered. So it's like dry ice, cold cap, dry ice, cold cap, all the way to, you know, until it's filled. So obviously the coldest cap is at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So that cap comes out and it's put onto Crystal's head, starts freezing her scalp. You got to be very conscious of um, frostbite. Yeah. So we we cover all of her exposed skin and we have to constantly, before putting on the cold cap, determine, take its temperature of the cold cap. So we have a temperature gun that we um, put on the cold cap. We put these things on at minus 40 to minus 20 degrees on her head. Think about that just for a second. That's cold. Yeah. Minus 40 to minus 20 is the range that I um, believe it's time to put that one on. So we put that on. Now, every 20 minutes, they have to be swapped because if even for a moment the scalp gets warm, blood is allowed to go back up there. The process is so serious, is so such a serious process and needs to be taken so seriously. And I emphasize these things in the event somebody mm-hmm. is cold capping, that if there is one moment where you leave it on for 25 minutes and that cold cap, because her body's obviously still hot, so it's cooling down that cold cap that was just put on her head. If that cold cap gets too warm or her scalp gets warm enough to allow blood to go back into it, then um, the chemo can now go up there. And it, it takes one time. It takes one time. That's it. And the mm-hmm. hair's fried. So that's how serious this is. So having said that, we start an hour and a half early, and then every 20 minutes from the second we start, we are pulling out all the dry ice, all the other three cold caps, accessing the coldest cold cap, removing the old cold cap, putting on the new cold cap, putting them all back in there, and then that process repeats every 20 minutes for 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 10 hours. 10 hours, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's important to note that you have to literally do it every 20 minutes. Like my appointment is 25 minutes away. That means... Every time we're going to have to pull over on the way there and the way back to switch out the cap on the side of the road. That's right. Um, and her sister, Brandy, yes. is uh, a big help in this whole process. She's, she's we're the cold cap team. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> my cold capping team. So obviously it sounds pretty grueling from our perspective, um, but if, from, and it is. Um, but think about this for just a moment. It's almost like wearing a football helmet. Oh. Actually, probably even heavier than a football yeah, helmet. It's about heavier. eight pounds per cold cap for 10 hours. And then when we Velcro it on and off and the pressure that she has to, you know, to keep her head up and mm-hmm. for 10 hours, it's just crazy. It's wild yeah, to even think about. So obviously it's, it makes your neck is sore. It, is it bad <laughs> that I'm dreading that tomorrow more than I am the chemo? No, no. I think that's a, a thing to better. I think that's better to dread that thing. I'm dreading the needle prick and the cold cap. <laughs> yeah. So that is our adventure. And I think there's a little bit of something to that um, as far as distraction. 
You know, there's one there thing is, to sit yeah. in. I'll, I'll let you elaborate. Go ahead. No, the, there is. It, it kind of, because you think, like, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I got to get a book, and I got to pick up a new show, and I got to, and there's literally no time for that. And and the other thing to know is that right now, because of COVID, I would typically have to go to chemo alone, um, and I would have to sit there for three hours alone. And because I'm cold capping, you can't, when you're hooked up, you can't do it yourself. So they allowed me to have you there. And then we also were able to get Brandy in there. <laughs> um, so that you guys were both able to do it. And then it gives you a, you know, a 20 minute break, I guess, instead of a 10 minute break. If you guys right. are switching off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're, you, there's so much going on. You can't even really do anything else, honestly. Yeah. So why don't you, um, okay. So those are some of the things that we're doing to make crystals that to, to take this experience and just make it livable mm-hmm. with, um, before that first round of chemo, Crystal was drinking three, three and a half bottles, big bottles of water. So tons and tons of water. The way chemo, actually, I want to elaborate on this. Yeah. The way that I understood and read about chemo is, is I believed before I understood it more, um, that chemo is, uh, um, it sits in your body and kills the cells for however long you're on the, 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 the treatment. Mm-hmm. But what I learned is that chemo is only actually in the body for about 24 hours. So a good example is you're boozing incredibly hard one night, mm-hmm. right? And then the next three days, it's all about trying to get that out and get your body back in alignment. To flush your to body To flush out. it out. Yeah. So the biggest, biggest part of this thing is hydration. Because mm-hmm. it's going to go in and it's going to do its thing and it's going to wreak havoc. And then it's all about getting it back out of the body. And the mm-hmm. reason that they actually wait the three weeks in between or 21 days between each session is it's such an atom bomb dropped on the body that um, it just crushes the white blood cells. Mm-hmm. So the body actually needs that three weeks to rebuild the blood cells. So it's not that the chemo is still in there wrecking havoc. It goes in, it drops the bomb, and then the body needs three weeks to recover. So each time between each session, Crystal actually has to go in and get blood work to ensure that her white blood cell count is back up in a position to take on that next round of chemo. That's why I think it's so important to say these things and why it's so important to maintain a very healthy, healthy lifestyle during this process. Because it should be, and the cat's not out of the bag yet, but it should be a very painful experience um, mm-hmm. for five days after the treatment. And um, by the grace of God and Crystal's proactive behavior, Crystal did not have to go through that. Yeah, this first round was... This first round. And that's why I say we don't know what the yeah. second round's got in store for us. But if we can keep this up, you know, I mean, this is... Yeah. It, it'll make it a, a much better experience. Yeah, because I just don't want to be... I can handle tired. I just don't want to be sick. Yeah. All right. It's time to talk real quick about our podcast sponsor, Southwestern Custom Construction. Josh and I have been in the real estate industry for a while now, and trust me, we know how hard it is to find a good contractor. You need someone who's going to show up on time and get you a bid in a reasonable time frame. We've been working with Nick Marietta for a while now, and he comes highly recommended. If you need a contractor, get in touch with Nick at Southwestern Custom Construction. His number is 480-235-8148. 
So um, how did you feel after the first round? I honestly, every day I was waking up, like waiting to see if I was going to get like hit by a bus. I'm like waking up like, how do I feel today? Okay, I feel normal. I feel normal. And yeah, I we created a scale because <laughs> I'd go, how do you feel? And she'd give me a, a general I'm answer. Like, good. Yeah, good. Okay, fine. <laughs> great. Okay. And I'm like, well, what is that? I don't know what that means. So the simple answer was normal. And if it was outside of normal, then I wanted to know about it. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, how do you feel? As long as I got a normal back, then yeah. I felt good about it. And to be fair, I'm not a, I don't feel good. Yeah, you're uh, tough. No, that hurt. I'd be like, man, I'm good. Yeah. So <laughs> play by play, yeah. real life, Crystal was back at work the next day. Yes. Yeah. And I almost fired her, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, go home. What are yeah. you doing? So, but I took it easy. Yeah, not, she did. Which is not in my... Uh, DNA. DNA to do that. So I was just more careful. Um, but yeah, so I, I felt good. Thank God I felt good. And um, I, the kids weren't home, so they didn't see anything. And yeah. Yeah. We're just leaning on the people around us to kind of. Yeah, I have help a us. lot of support. One of my neighbors made um, dinner for us uh, for four nights, mm-hmm. a homemade meal. Incredible. Meal. Yeah. Yeah. And all. She crushed it. Yeah, She's no listening. meat. Oh, I know. It was awesome. It was, it was, it was so, so good. It was so good. Josh is going to fire me. This is chef. Yeah. Uh, I, I think. And then, so then now we're three weeks and I had my blood appointment, my blood work done yesterday. I have my follow-up appointment today and then I have chemo tomorrow. That's right. So, so let's elaborate a little bit on um, some of our, because this was very content heavy, mm-hmm. play by play. If we slow down in each, each, was there a moment? Was there, did we have a tough time? How are we overcoming emotion? How are we maintaining normalcy? How are we um, living our lives? What are we doing different I'm, or what are we not doing different? I, I think that I, I'm trying to stay busy. That's my biggest thing. I need to stay distracted, which is helpful that we, that the kids don't know and, you know, that I am with them all the time. So it does keep me distracted so that I can't really think about it too much. Um, I mean, the last couple of days have been kind of hard because I know it's coming. So it's like the buildup. Um, but I, I've been trying to keep a semi-normal life. And I think that it helped, like, when you started, like, like you hung out with your friends on Friday. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, thank God, because just my life needs to be, like, out of place. As long as everyone around me has their normal life, it's a little bit easier. But when I'm watching, like, my sister not do anything and you not do anything. I'm like, it's just like, it feels very overwhelming instead of it just being me. Like, just like when I'm pregnant, it's like, just my life is a little bit different for the next time being, you know? Um, Message received. <laughs> I think that was a side, com- a side uh No, I think, I'm serious. No, I think that was a valid It point. made it lighter. It yeah. didn't make it so heavy and so depressing, you know? Sure. And I haven't cried in like three weeks, so that's good too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... uh it's 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 been a we just a we just jumped back into the zone mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, w- what i would say that we're doing and i kind of live my i run my businesses this way and i run my life as best as i can this way is let's just well what this has really taught me is staying in the moment mm-hmm. and how dangerous the imagination is um and everybody always says live in the moment but if you want something that will really force you to do that this is it um is just staying in the moment and acknowledging the the reality of now, um, at this moment, my wife is looking back at me. She's perfect. She's whole. She's complete. She's healthy. Mm-hmm. So 
own and live that experience instead of building this imaginary scenario yeah. three, four, five, six months down the road and then feeling it right now. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's yeah. actually the definition, in my opinion, of living in the now. So I've had to really force myself to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just loving you in the moment and <laughs> mm-hmm. the way that you are and trying to live my life that way. Um, so it's just staying, doing what we do, you know, yeah. buying homes, fixing them up and reselling them, going home and being mom and dad. You're yeah. taking the kids to dance. You're taking the kids to gymnastics. You're soccer, soccer, <laughs> shit, <laughs> gymnastics, dance, soccer, bookkeeping. Yeah. Um, you're being good to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, yeah. just maintaining life. <laughs> I think and socializing. Yeah. I think that's important. And I think it's, um, we said some of this stuff in the beginning, but I think it's important to say it again and to empower those that may ever be in a situation like this to communicate to your surroundings that um, staying away or hiding or giving us time or space is like 100% the opposite of what should be happening. Yeah. What I can ensure, assure anybody that thinks that way. If a person wants space, they're going to communicate that they just need space. Mm -hmm. If they want love and affection, they're not going to communicate that they want love and affection. So if anything, overload them with love and affection and maintain Mm -hmm. normalcy, maintain the normalcy of that relationship. And then if they ever need a break, they'll tell you, Mm -hmm. not today, brother, I'm just hanging out at the house. I'm just going to relax. But no one's going to call and go, hey, I'm needing love and affection Can and attention. You Can you come me? hang out? Yeah, no. So be that proactive person in that person's life. And, and this is a, a, a repeat of what we would ask of our friends is maintain normalcy. Please continue to invite us out. Please act. Let's, let's go to dinner together. Please continue to send funny text messages. You don't have to ask how we're doing every right. single time. Um, if anything, we'll give you an update. You don't yeah. have to feel like, uh, um, you know, you don't have to feel anything. I was actually making a joke with a guy in the gym. The guy's the sweetest dude ever. Um, if he's listening, he'll probably know who he is. <laughs> but I, I, I shared that this news with the, the two gentlemen in the gym mm-hmm. that I see often in the locker room. Every morning, he goes, how's your wife? <laughs> You're like, and I'm like I wanted man. to forget about it today. <laughs> I'm like, she's excellent, brother. It's all good. And yeah. you know what? I, I get that that's you know, maybe socially appropriate, but I just want to... You know, you're good, man. Yeah. If, if I think news, it's hard because there's you. there's no like book on how to react or what to say or, you know, because there really isn't the right thing to say. And I so this isn't for like my friends checking on me, but this is for like anyone who's going through it. Like no one knows what to say. So if you're going through it and someone says, it's okay if you lose your hair, it usually grows back thicker. It's like <laughs> you want to say, you're not about to go bald. Like, how, you know, but they're... Like, it's coming from a good place. It's not coming from, like, they're just trying to make you feel better. So that's been my biggest thing is, like, everything that someone says, I can't take it to, like, the negative space. I need to switch my mind to take it to, like, what their good intentions are. Yeah. You know, like, every morning or every time I see someone new, they're like, oh, my God, you you look great. It's like, you expected me to look like shit. <laughs> like, do you know what that makes me feel like? But that's not, that's not, like what they're the point that they're trying to get across or when they say oh my god you're so strong it's because it's like oh it's because they know I'm weak right now that they're saying that and you know so 
that's been my biggest thing because for a while it like kind of made me like it rubbed me not wrong but I was just like man everyone expects me to feel like shit look like shit you know not be able to function let me ask you this format your thought because what you're describing is the scenario yeah that's that's been received right I don't know what else they could say. No, no, no. But try to, because really what's happening is you can't go and control what everybody says. You can't hand them a rule book when you see them. So exactly. So what are you doing in your mind to be able to receive these comments and process them and and come from a place of understanding? Well, Because I know we've had this conversation, but I want you to go into it. What is Crystal doing in her world that she's never had to do in, in the way that she thinks about, you know, what people say? What are you doing? To keep sanity. Well, what it started And not get worked with, up or frustrated or sad right. or any of those feelings that could come with those comments. Well, I had to feel it first. And then yeah. what I did, which is what I do with everything, like, you know, in our relationship, too, I'm like, they could have said it better. Like, <laughs> there's a different way to say it. You could have said it better. What would I have said? And I'm like, probably would have said all those same things, not meaning anything right. bad. Exactly. So I just had to like take myself back to like every time I hear it, I'm like, what would I have said? I probably would have said that, you know, this is short term. It's okay. When it, really I want to be like, I know it's short term. I just want to complain, you know? <laughs> so I just had to like remind my, like take it back to what I would say. And that's what I would say. And what would my intentions be? Because I've you know, I honestly think I'm a good person. My intentions would be to make them feel better, to make them feel like it's not such an overwhelming thing, you know? So that's kind of what helped me a lot. I needed to like give myself a reality check. And so, and that was me kind of not being a victim, but just like feeling bad for myself. And it's like, if I'm going to feel bad for myself, I'm feeling like everyone else is like feeling bad for me. And then I'm just going to feel down and I don't want that so, so you're I choosing to feel to empowered n- yeah and to not feel bad for myself and then everybody will treat you that way yes so what i've kind of summarized perfectly beautifully said because i've had the same experience mm-hmm. i don't even know if i told you but when i went to get my blood work done the doctor said some fucking wild shit that i almost took her note or her, her <laughs> clipboard and slapped her with it i couldn't even believe she said it <laughs> i won't even go into what she said it. no she, i mean it was anyway so not about me because okay. I was updating her about us. Okay. And uh, what she responded with was like, geez, okay, I get you a doctor, but my God. Anyway, nobody knows what to say. Mm-hmm. And then when they do say something, it's usually not the – it's something – it's stupid. It's not received the no, right it, way. No, oh. they don't know what to say. And then whatever they do say is, is, is not very good. So – because there's no rule book and there's no rule and no one trains you on how to say what the right thing is to say. And they could be saying the right thing and you could mm-hmm. be, and I could, you or I could be in a different state of, of, of mind and mm-hmm. we would receive it wrong. Yeah. So I had to tell myself, I need to start processing what they're saying differently. I had to, I had to go and, and, and yeah. start rewiring me. So I didn't react to how they were, what they were saying. And I just kept saying to myself, there's no right thing to say, mm-hmm. and whenever they do say it, it's not going to be the. It, it's going to sound terrible. Yeah. But I know at the end of the day that everybody has pure intent around the topic, and so it kind of took all of my defenses away and took away. It it, it it turned it from aggravation or frustration that somebody would say that the nerve to just compassion and understanding, mm-hmm. and and it, it it puts me at ease. My energy around that person is obviously at ease. And then hopefully it, it, it made that experience for me a little easier. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, because that's the other thing. I'm like, what would I want to hear? I'm like, yeah, who knows? Exactly. I don't know. What there's not even a right thing to me. You know, there's no, there's no rule book even, on our side. I can't even tell you what I want you to say. <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought that was uh, something important to talk yeah. about because that's kind of an inside scoop to how we're thinking and what we're doing to to reprogram ourselves to be able to live through this. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Let me make sure I give myself a really quick plug here. I just want to take a moment and make sure I'm crystal clear on what Galindo Group Real Estate offers to the Las Vegas public. We have a company called Galindo Buys Houses that buys homes as is, all cash, and can close in as little as seven days with no appraisals, no commissions, and we pay all of the fees associated with the closing. So the number we give you is the number you should walk away with from the closing table. You pick your close date, and if you need to, you can stay up to three weeks after closing giving you a home and the much-needed cash to make future decisions. Galindo Buys House is a locally-owned company that takes the profits generated here in town and reinvests them locally. We're not that big hedge fund that takes the profits generated here and sends them off to New York and other big cities. I employ people here locally and invest here locally. If you or anyone you know is behind on payments, repairs, or inherited a tenant disaster, don't hesitate to give me a call. We will get you an offer in five minutes or less and close in seven days or less. So please take this number down. It's easy, 820-CASH. Again, it's 702-820-CASH. Talk to you soon. So what's to come? So Crystal has... My second round tomorrow. Second round tomorrow. So there's a total of 16. Mm-hmm. What we've chosen to do because we want to... Um, do it most effectively. Well, we just want to be mentally right through this process. Yeah. And we've chosen to get through the first eight. Oh. And then when we're done with the first eight, we know we've got another eight. But yeah. instead of telling ourselves we have 16 rounds of this thing, mm-hmm. we're going to say we have eight rounds of this thing. So, um, but that's just another trick that we're doing. So if you want to break it into threes, break it into threes. If you want to take on the whole thing, but just something, a little nugget that maybe would help somebody that's in this situation. But um, globally speaking, we have 16 treatments. We've mm-hmm. already done one. The first eight treatments are over three week, or over first. three months. The first four treatments. Excuse me. Thank you. Do you want to elaborate on this? I mean, you can go. Okay. I no, just, I just, okay. Um, so for the first three months of the six-month experience, Crystal will get, um, will have chemo sessions every three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then after that three months, it will go weekly. Correct. So in a nutshell, they're hitting her with the atom bomb mm-hmm. in the first three months, and then they're hitting her with bullets in the back three months. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, at the end of all that, then there's, then there's another step, yeah. unfortunately. So after that, as, um, I think it's like a three-week break because my body has to recover from all the chemo. And then um, I go into surgery. And I am, because I found out that I do have the BRCA2 gene, which is the BRCA2 gene. And what that means is that they, they, they blood test or they do a genetic blood test mm-hmm. and see if this is a hereditary thing or a genetic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those results were positive. Yes. And I, I honestly didn't know how to feel about it cause I was really upset cause I was worried about the kids. Then I'm worried about everyone else in my family knowing sure. that it's hereditary. But at the same time, it was kind of nice to know that I didn't do anything wrong. Yep. Like this was just hanging out, waiting to show face. Let me just say this. You want to create perspective around that, that statement. Crystal, from the second she was conceived, had an 87% chance of getting this. Yeah. So So analyzing how it showed up yeah. is, is a waste of energy. Yeah. So 
there was comfort in it. I mean, there's, you know, I was a little upset, but then there's also comfort in knowing that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, but so because I have that gene, um, I do have to do a double mastectomy and then, you know, then I'll have to go through that process, which we'll have another episode with my friend that just went through Mm. it and she's about to have her final surgery. So that'll be good to hear like that end of it. So I can have something to look forward to. Um, and then, um, also with my gene, it's, uh, you're at risk for four, I think it's 40% for ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer. So with that being said, I'm going to be monitored my whole life. (laughs) And, um, once I'm done with the chemo step, I'll have my augmentation step. And then further down the road, I'll have my ovarian step. And so this is, sort of become a lifelong journey instead of just a short-term journey, you know? Yeah. I think that the brunt part of the journey is for a year Mm -hmm. and then it's maintenance. Yeah. And here's the other shitty thing. We're just getting older. I know. And here's what's starting to happen is we are becoming the statistics we've heard about our whole life. So it's not, you know, there... Like I went to, the, when I got my blood work back, they said I had high cholesterol. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking are kidding you, me? Are you like 80? <laughs> right. I eat like- <laughs> well. I fucking run a mile every single day. I work out every day. Um, yeah. You just start. So yeah, that sounds real daunting and what mm-hmm. you just described, but you know, it's just kind the of older you is. get, the more you become the statistic instead of hearing about the statistic. Yeah. At least I have um, a life to have. <laughs> And go through all that. If that's, that's right. all I have to do, then that's that's yeah. okay. Because the main hurdle is that. Yeah. And we've overcome that. Right. So um, we will see the end of this. Mm-hmm. And I think something for me was when we started that first round, mm-hmm. that was an exciting day for me. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, there's a finish line. <laughs> if you start. If you're yeah. starting, then you know there's a finish line. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we were able to start was huge. So something else that Crystal and I did, because we're a very uh, powerful decisive couple. Um, when this happened, we said to ourselves, our goal is to take whatever they tell us the timeline should be and divide that by two. So mm-hmm. if they say it takes a week, we're going to do it in two and a half days. Yeah. Um, and then we wanted to know every single thing that we could know surrounding this thing within three weeks and starting the healing process mm-hmm. within a month from when we found out. We sat, I think we made that, that yeah, we did. We made that that choice and set that goal when we were in the parking lot, getting the CDs, getting ready to overnight mm-hmm. them to California on that interesting place on Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody told us that it would take weeks and we were like, fuck that. Yeah. And we rolled up to these places and they were trying to tell us we can't get you the CDs within a certain amount of time. And we were like, you're getting me the fucking CDs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and they did. Yeah. And, I, and we accomplished those goals was my point. Yeah. Cause we went in on the 10th and he said, you know, I think it's best you do chemo first, not surgery first. You'll be able to see it actually work. You'll see the tumor get smaller, which it did with one round. And, um, he said, so we'll start you on chemo in three weeks. And I was like, what the? I'm not waiting three more weeks. Right. I'm not waiting three more weeks. Right. He's like, Fine. Okay, fine. You want, but he you, wouldn't have responded unless you said something. Right. And he said, okay, well, you have seven appointments that you have to get done in the next eight days if you want to start on the 18th, which, 
It was like 10 days. That or, includes no, weekends. Days. Yeah. And I was like, I'll get it done. And you got it done. Yeah. And you started. Yeah. She got her port put in the day before chemo. Mm-hmm. That's how... It, that was the worst part. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Not to scare anybody. Congratulations, <laughs> honey. Great job. Thanks. I think you are an example of what somebody would want it to look like to go through this process. Um, I'm proud to be your husband. Thanks, I'm proud man. of you. And, uh, you know, everybody says they're praying for us. So just keep on doing that. Yeah. Keep sending us I'll good energy. I'll take all the vibes, all the prayers. That's right. And, um, and you'll keep yeah. killing it. Yeah. I love you. Love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindogrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.